Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 144. That's gross. Correct! My name is Josh Canal. To my left, longtime friend of Box Cutters, and we're very happy to have him back here. Last time he was in talking about uh, working on Rove Live and writing for said show and uh, doing warm up and, and things like that. Jared McCulloch. Thank you very much, boys, and it's a pleasure to be on a show that was kicked off with a, a play on words, like gross, <laughs> magnificent. There you go. I'm happy already. And I haven't even thought of it. To to my right, Brett Crupley. Good evening, viewers. Ah, Box Cutters is all about television, in case you have never listened before. All about television, and this week we have a jam-packed show. News, of course, lots of news this week. Plus, are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Please. Channel 9 last week gave us a sneak preview of Hole in the Wall. Wow. It's, it's the show everyone's been waiting for. What's it about? <sighs> Just wait. Wait until the segment, oh, Jerry. Really? I can't wait to find out. Don't ruin it now. Okay. Wait until the segment. Okay. Uh, we've got another postcard. Postcard from a show. Excellent. Oh, no, I'm not going to tell you which, uh, which show. It's, it, that's part of the fun of, of postcards is you... You, you get you get a postcard and you you read it and then you go oh who's in Italy, and then you get finally get to the end and you go oh that's I think that came to the wrong flat and, and then you put it up on the pinboard <laughs> with the picture out and nobody like everybody looks at it but nobody knows who it's from yeah yeah, yeah that's what until we do. it curls up at the edges that's <laughs> that's what we do with the uh, postcards that come into to box cutters as well as letters to box cutters which will be. Finally returning. Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. There's a, there, there was a, a letter that came a, a couple of months ago. No joke. A couple of months ago. And it is almost going to be out of time. So, yes, this letter has a use-by date. We're delivering it just before it goes Just off. before it goes off. So it started to it, kind of mould up a bit. We've just sliced those bits off. It might have a little bit of a sour taste to it. It might, but uh, a few other letters as well. If you want to send us letters, hooray at boxcutters.net. Smells like yogurt. We've got an I don't buy it, which is all about ads. We've got a whole bunch of pork. As always, though, we will kick things off with the Box Cutters news. In uh, who is the most important celebrity death news, uh, I think Brett and I are going to have to Rochambeau. No, you get, what, what, what are you doing? Is this rock, paper, scissors? No, you need, you need your foot. and <laughs> No. That's, that's the real Rochambeau. Anyway, Rochambeau brings us to South Park, which you brings us to it. the first... Of our three television-related celebrity deaths. Soul singer, soul soul writer, uh, and actor, Isaac Hayes, best known recently for his role as chef on South Park, has Mm. passed away aged 65. He was found in his home, uh, passed out, rushed to the local hospital where he was pronounced dead. He was very sick for a long time. He... uh had a, a stroke, didn't he, a, a little while ago? He had something around about the time that Scientology was uh, making claims that he was storming out of South Park because it was uh, was making fun of them. Yeah. 
The reports I read today said that he was found dead beside a moving um, uh, exercise a treadmill. machine. A treadmill? Yes, yeah. Mm. Which suggests that he either wasn't that sick or he was and he was trying to do something about it. Mm. Or didn't work. maybe his television was busted and he was watching that for entertainment. <laughs> Very it's, like. It's possible. Mm. Watching the treadmill. Yeah, totally. Got his little kitten on it. Oh, I think Rather than those YouTube oh, clips. That, that bit's come around again. <laughs> oh, hilarious. Uh, so, uh, Isaac Hayes, here's to Absent Friends. Also, here's to Absent Friends, Bernie Mac. Mm. The first of our celebrity Bernies. Mm. The first of our celebrity Bernies. First of our celebrity Bernies who, uh, who's, who's 15 passed away years this younger. Yeah, he was, uh, he was only aged 50 and he died from uh, complications of pneumonia. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Bernie Mac's show, of course, uh, not a big hit here, but did, uh, did a bit of business in the US. Did it play here? It did. After midnight, I think. Well, mm. the Channel 9 started showing it in summer at uh, like an 8 o'clock slot mm. and it just didn't do anything because it, it just didn't appeal to, to an Australian sense of humour. Yeah. But was made by the same people who made Malcolm in the Middle. And so Channel 9 had high hopes for it. Uh, unfortunately, it just wasn't of the, the same quality or were all racist. Yeah. It was quite culturally different. And it did more than a bit of business. It did 100 Eps and won a Peabody Award, which is a very prestigious media award yes. in the States. And you know, it was nominated for, for Emmys and, and um, Oscars and or Golden Globes for television, that sort of thing. And he was a, you know, a, a really well-known comedian in, in the States, but never really... Made it here, and of, of course, all comedians just want to make it in Australia because that's when yeah, they know right. that he, they've made it. He would have it. died a very disappointed man. Yeah, uh, which is which is a shame. The funny thing is that we never got to see what made him famous, and uh, we just got to see the cameo roles he started making as a result. Yes, in other shows if, like uh, Moesha. If you want to, uh, if you want to, are, are you not thinking of Sinbad? <laughs> <laughs> You could be thinking of Sinbad, I could be Jared. thinking of a plethora of roles. <laughs> uh, if uh, if you want to see a film, I, I don't even know if it's available on DVD. There was a, a film that Spike Lee uh, produced uh, of four black American comedians called The Original Kings of Comedy. Mm. And Bernie Mac is uh, is one of those. It's also uh, Cedric the Entertainer. Uh, I think Sinbad might be in there. I don't think so, mm. maybe. I don't know. Uh, but uh, if you want to see uh, some... Uh, sorry, see, I'm saying Sinbad now. Some Benny Mac stand-up. Uh, you can catch the original Kings of Comedy somewhere. Maybe someone's got a VHS copy of it. And the last of our celebrity television deaths this week, uh, producer Bernie Brillstein. Second Bernie, third yes. death. Mm. Uh, Bernie Brillstein also uh, died this week, uh, just uh, just the other day. Uh, he was 77. He had chronic pulmonary disease. Brillstein, you might remember from the Vanity Cards, Brillstein Grey Television, who produced The Sopranos, produced The Larry Sanders Show, produced uh, the excellent but unfairly short-lived Martin Short Show. Mm. Uh the uh, also just shoot me news radio politically incorrect with Bill Maher. He was uh, just a, a fantastic promoter of new talent and could really recognise a, a hit when when he saw it and and knew that certain talent would get up there. He was uh, very instrumental in the uh, the rise of uh, John Belushi's career. Uh, not so instrumental in uh, in in the uh, end of it though. Uh, he uh, uh, also Jim Henson uh, worked as a, a bit of a mentor for for Jim Henson oh, and right? uh, and was co executive producer of Saturday Night Live when it started. 
uh, along with uh, Brad Gray, they produced some fantastic television. Uh, it's a sad loss to the industry. Uh, that's uh, that's it for Celebrity Deaths. Brett? Uh, Channel 7 have announced that Fifi Box is to join the Sunrise family at Brecky Central. Um, taking on the uh, weather presenting down there. Everybody's really excited. Adam, Adrian, Adam, Adam, Adrian Boland. Yeah, someone, Boland. <clears throat> um, who's the producer and uh, Fifi. Adam Boland is uh, the director of uh, Channel 7's Morning TV and Strategic Initiatives. Um, I wonder if that's uh, oh, sorry, possibly... So I see, I didn't know who you, were to- who you were talking about because you didn't start it with Wunderkind, <laughs> Adam Boland. Mm. See, and I, just, I only know him by that name, Brett. Uh, so he's he's excited to have Fifi Box on. Everyone uh, is, is excited. I wonder if uh, maybe there's something connected to uh, Melissa Doyle trying to uh, strong arm the producers into giving her as much money as uh, Koshi, uh, and then a little bit of succession planning going on here. Mm. Um, also, people didn't really take to uh, to she who must be boned. Fifi Box has kind of a similar laugh going on for her. She does, but she's uh, younger, can probably get away with it a little bit more. Uh, plus, a bit less like Skeletor. Plus, already has a huge, a huge following from her radio show, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Shebang, yeah, very popular, which is being wound up. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result, so so you know there'll, there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of follow on audience for, from there, no doubt, and. Uh, you know, she's been on Thank God You're Here. She was uh, on the Dancing panel before the it uh, ended, Dancing with the Stars. Mm. She she is a name. People know her and are probably a lot more willing to give her leeway. Plus, she, she you know, she fits into a, a second banana roll quite quite well, whereas she who must be boned, uh, who is Jessica Rowe, by the mm. way. It's, yeah, yeah, I figured. Yeah, mm. just in case, Jared. Just in case, you know. I don't know. I don't know who's up to speed with the uh, latest box cutters lingo. Well, who isn't? Well, and if you're not, really, you've got 143 episodes to go back and listen to. Go and do your research. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, she who uh, must be boned uh, was a newsreader who mm. then we were presented with in such a completely different light. And were shocked by uh, her uh, skeletal features jiggling up and down <laughs> while she giggled. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's just not what people want. Whereas Fifi Box, I think people are, are aware of, of what she's like and so will be a, a lot more prepared. Mm. And good luck to everyone. Well, she won't bring that, uh, uh, any gravitas to the role. And I say that as a compliment. You know, she, she's light entertainment. Yes. So they would like her. Uh, what's to say she's not there to you know, keep uh, Koshi on his toes? Anyway, I, I like, I've heard Fifi Box giving financial advice around the bar. <laughs> she, she could slide in very nicely. Now, as, as not a regular viewer, um, who, who up until this point has been presenting the weather on Sunrise? Uh, Was it David Brown? Yeah, Stretch has been AKA doing it. A.K.A. Stretch. Mm. Stretch has been doing it. And uh, there was a, you know... Channel 7 had a, a big push that Stretch was doing it. And this was only earlier this year. Mm. Maybe and, you couldn't hack the four o'clock starts. Well, it is. It makes it a very long day because he was doing the, the national weather on uh, on mornings and then uh, the Melbourne local weather. All the it, way through. On, on the evenings. Much, and yeah. That's a, you know, and he, he's not getting any younger. It was a stretch. Hey. <laughs> That's why we bring you in, Jared McCulloch. Thank you. Stretch it's... said it would be like this. I just, I, 
I love that old. Uh, that was an old Channel Seven weather ad from the I don't know early nineties. Actually, it really? was Channel Ten. Like when Brian was told, 10. Cause stretch that it'd be like this. Because on on, uh, on on Seven, he's never been Stretch. He was only Stretch mm. on uh, on Ten. Yeah, when he moved to Seven, he became David Brown. Yes, mm. which is yeah, nowhere near as interesting. And for the record, Stretch said it would be like this. Never really took off as a as a saying around Melbourne. Yeah, it was, Not like whereas I hoped. Brian told me. Sure did. We, we loved that. And yeah. and the thing about Brian told me is that it worked in Melbourne and Sydney. Mm. Yep. For two different brands. Yeah. Mm. Just genius. Yep. Stretch said it and would it be like And it had a song, this. though, as well. Well, yeah. Whereas Stretch said, if, if it was, Stretch said it would be like this, it would be like this, Stretch said. Then, ah. uh, yeah, no, nice. <laughs> that's what it lacked. Then, yeah, that's really what it lacked. Uh, so go back, rework that, and uh, tell us what you think, Channel 10. Mm. That's uh, good luck. Good luck. Hey, uh, Channel 7. Have we spoken about Channel 7? Yes. yes. Sunrise. Sure. Speaking of Channel 7. <laughs> nice segue. Thanks. Channel 7, uh, I don't know if you've, uh, if you've been aware, uh, Jared, Brett, I don't know if you've been aware, but uh, the Olympics uh, have been on. Well, who's the what now? Really? Yeah. Hmm. The, uh, the games of the Olympiad. 29th. Is that like Hole in the Wall? Oh, are you speaking it's, Chinese? It's it's like it's like twenty four hours of Hole in the Wall. Cool. Oh yeah, it's totally rocking. Yeah. Uh, so the the Olympics have been on, uh, but Channel Seven have also got the football. AFL. That's what I said. Mm. The football. <laughs> not NRL. No, that's not football. Not gridiron. Not soccer. No. Where's the? I hear foot nowhere in any of those names. Well, the rest of the world calls soccer football. No, it doesn't. Apart from the States. It's footy. Uh, and uh, angry viewers have attacked Seven's decision to interrupt coverage of the Olympic Games. Oh, so, so this is Olympics fans being pissy at Channel 7 over AFL fans? Yes. Ah. Now, surely... Now, now, let's say Channel 7 had, had stuck with the Games and just not shown an AFL game. Mm. Then footy fans would be pissed off. Yep. Although, they, they would have... Other options to, to watch it, no doubt, if, if Channel 7 said to Fox, oh, we can't actually have this game on because we've got the Olympics, uh, Fox would shove it onto Fox Sports 3 or... Wouldn't that be contravening the anti-siphoning uh, legislation? Not if, uh, not if they made a special deal. The, Fox have footy. So if Channel 7 offer it to another network, offer these two games during the Olympics to another network... Or would it actually be four games? Whatever. Who knows when the footy's on. Uh, <laughs> but if, if they offered these games to another network and the other networks turned it down uh, and then uh, they offered it to mm. Foxtel, Foxtel would have, would have taken it on board. But there's also the perfect opportunity here for Channel 7 to go, okay, on standard definition, we're going to have the Olympics and on the high definition channel, we're going to have the footy. Yep. And that's the way it goes down. That's the way you have it. So if you want to watch the footy, get your high definition. It's, again, compelling content. Mm. You, you, you've got compelling reasons for people to move over to high definition television. Very much so. But then you'd miss out on the games in high def. Yeah, but at least you get to see the games. I, I, don't, think, I don't think Olympic viewers would necessarily go, I can't believe they wouldn't show the games in high def for two hours. <laughs> it's it's two matches. They, they, brought out the, they brought out TiVo for the games. I, 
I reckon the games are, are another well, then, compelling reason for well, a hard def. Swap it, swap it around. They brought out color television. They brought out television for the games here in Australia. That's true. Fifty six. Yeah. It's it's two matches. It's a Friday night and a Sunday afternoon. Unless they have to play two Sunday games, top and tail. But um, I thought Channel Ten have the Friday nights. No, seven oh. does Fridays and Sundays. Right. Ten's See, got all Saturday. I have no idea. So there's not there's not a lot of what are these Olympics viewers missing? They repeat buddy everything that vaguely involves an Australian. You're only going to miss a couple of hours of watching some horse potter around an equestrian field or something at that time. Well, that's it. At least, you know, and the thing is, Australia does so well in the swimming that the first week of the Olympics is really Australia's week. Mm. By the end of the first week of the Olympics, we're on top of the medal tally. People love watching the first week of the Olympics because we are like the strongest nation in the world. Mm. Come the second week of the Olympics... Where it's all track and field. <laughs> and we just go down. Because, of course, there, there are more track and field events than there are swimming events. Uh, and we don't do that well in the diving and yeah. whatnot. It's really just swimming in a straight line. Mm. Uh, and then turning around and coming back again. Mm. That's We're very good at that. And shooting. We're not bad at shooting. Oh, we're, we're good at shooting. That shooting kind of... also, first week. Yeah, that's right. Shooting's in the first week. But we, we missed out there, didn't we? Michael Diamond said he'd, he'd be back next time and he'll be shooting until he's 50. Which, uh, yeah, good on him. Mm. Uh, the, so, so with that, if they just put the footy on in the second week, no one would care. It's like, oh, so we're, we're going to miss Javelin. Mm. Oh, well. I wonder if the footy's on. Oh, it is. Excellent. So, uh, but yes, footy viewers are happy, I suppose. Olympic viewers are angry. And really, it's two hours out of your life. It'll be interesting to look at the ratings figures and see if the footy spiked the ratings on either the Friday night or the Sunday afternoon around the Olympics figures. Hmm. Or did the footy drop the Olympics figures? Well, the Friday night it wouldn't have counted because... Well, last Friday the games hadn't started yet. Yes. Yep. Uh, So we're really only looking at Sunday. It it would be really, really interesting because does anybody care about the Olympics? That's the other question. Jared, do you... I've got a funny feeling Australia does, and we don't. Right. So Australia loves the Olympics. Yeah. But we don't. <laughs> the Olympics. But we savvy media commentators don't. Because I, I... Like, I, w- I watched the opening ceremony, and we'll talk about that in pork. Yeah. Uh, but the... Uh, you know, that, that, was, that was fantastic. But then there are, sp- there are particular sports that I want to watch, and I don't know when they're on, or being in... Beijing, if they are on, they're on at one thirty in the morning, like the boxing was. Well, so you would be the only person who hasn't got your your uh, TV guide that would tell you what sports are on. But also, from there, is, is there a guide? I'm I, sure it would have been out there in the papers or something. But from the small amount that I've seen, Herald Sun, you mean Herald Sun? Mm. They don't generally stick for that long with one sport. Like, no, they chase I saw the a bit action. of the gymnastics last night, and you know, it was it was jumping from floor to to the the uneven bars to and all over the place. Which is something else that's always pissed me off about the Olympics is if I'm if I'm turning on to watch the hockey, which I often try to do, I want to watch the hockey. Mm. I don't want to watch two minutes of the hockey and then go and watch some girl with a ribbon. Mm. Well, all you got of that was, yeah. was each of the goals that they shot and then it was back to the gymnastics. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I really, I don't like, the, <laughs> I don't like watching the Olympics. I assume just, it kind of goes in, a, in an order of priority. Uh, first, is an Australian about to win gold? Second, is an Australian likely to win gold at some point in the near future? Third, is there an Australian winning 
any medal. Well, that's it. You know, I, I watched Kieran Perkins uh, did the, the fifteen hundred hmm. uh, a couple of Olympics ago. And that's 12 minutes of my life I'm never getting back. They didn't cut away from that once. No. Not once. 12 minutes of people going up and down a pool. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not television. Anyway, other people are upset about, uh, about Channel 7 as well, Brett, aren't they? Yes, uh, advocacy group Get Up. Uh, had booked in an ad during the opening ceremony on Channel 7, um, which was to uh, highlight the plight of Tibet. I'm looking for a, a better description of the, uh, the ad, uh, which didn't actually end up going to air. And uh, there, there are some conspiracy theorists out there uh, saying that uh, maybe it was actually Channel 7 intentionally not showing it uh, to uh, avoid offending the game's hosts. But Channel 7 uh, says... Uh, uh, what, what did Channel... Channel 7 said something like... Uh, seven spokesman said... This is from uh, the Sydney Morning Herald. The seven spokesman said, Get Up did not book airtime before the ceremony. So Channel 7 are just saying, No, nah, they're lying. No, did not pay for airtime before the ceremony. Not according to this uh, Sydney Morning Herald article I've got, which is just a reprint of an AAP article. Mm. Bless them. Uh, it says the seven spokesman said Get Up did not book airtime before the ceremony. Miss Solon said there was no mistake that the Tibet ad, not the Fuel Watch ad, was transmitted for the booking. That's Mr. Solomon from Get Up. Uh, and he also said that the uh, ad was scheduled both before and after the ceremony. He has confirmation from the agency he used to book the ads. We went through the normal procedure. Channel 7 pulled the ad unbelievably. And uh, and then, you know, goes on to talk about how that's the sort of thing we'd expect from China, not Australia. And yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Winch, 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 winch. It's appalling. Mate. It's appalling. <laughs> well, yes, and uh, Brett Solomon said that they'll be paying to have the ad screened on the other networks who uh, will take their sponsorship money. Well, there's a waste of money. Everyone's watching the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, cheap ad. Cheap airtime. Cheap airtime. That's true. Yeah. Mm. Uh, also, while we're uh, while we're still on the Olympics, uh, Channel Nine have been banned from the Olympics for one week for being bad. Although it was actually before the Olympics started, they uh, they cajoled their way into the uh, what do they call it? The water cube um, yes. to talk with uh, an Australian swimmer or two. And uh, then got found out and kicked out of the venue. And Channel 7 were calling for Channel 9 reporters over there to be kicked out of the country, essentially. Um, but they've been banned for a week. From and uh, IOC from legal, legal advisor Howard Stupp said, quote, The IOC takes this as a serious breach of the news access rules. That non-rights holders are not permitted to access or operate with equipment within any Olympic venue. But was it... An Olympic venue before the Olympics. It's purpose so, built. Yes, it was built for yeah. the actual Olympics. So, so, so yes, I reckon so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Channel Nine did did wrong. Yeah, mm. Channel Nine were wrong. Bad Channel Nine. <laughs> you, you have to be out of the cube for a week. And that is the box cutters news. Hello, this is Frank Thring, gossip from heaven. On the box cutters. I bumped into Ray Charles the other day. Well, he bumped into me because his dog's not dead yet. Ah, Frank, we miss you. But glad you could pop in to do a, a bit of box cutters ID. 
Did anyone see Hole in the Wall? No, I, I, I unintentionally uh, recorded the uh, Make Me a Supermodel opening, which I think was at the same time. Oh, don't, don't, don't you have uh, Jewel Tuna recording? Well, correct? I didn't intend to record either of them. Because I wasn't aware of them. <laughs> right. right. Anyway. J- Jared? Hold on. And I, at the time, was unaware I was going to be appearing on Box Cutters, and therefore I had to go and have a life. <laughs> <laughs> but haven't, haven't we seen all of Hole in the Wall? It's been on YouTube for months and months. It, it has, but we haven't seen it with Tim Smith. Please tell me Tim everything. Tim Smith. Well, okay. It's, there, there were a team of, of three ladies... And a team of three gentlemen. The three gentlemen were, let's say, on the rotund side. The ladies were uh, all slim. Uh, so, so you had uh, you had uh, Tim Smith, you had Jacko, and was Adam Richard in that team. No, oh, Jacko as in Mark Jackson. Yes. Mm. Oh, uh, where'd they pull him from? I know. Uh, and uh, and and also Scott Cam. Scott, Scott Cam contractually obliged Scott Cam was uh, was on it. And then uh, Toddy Goldsmith and I can't even remember on the other team. Uh, so we've all seen the YouTube videos of, of Hole in the Wall where, uh, where Japanese people are dressed in uh, lycra full bodysuits and a styrofoam wall comes towards them and they have to uh, put themselves in the shape of the hole that is in the wall and pass through that hole. Otherwise, they get pushed into a swimming pool. Can they kind of jump through it? Or they have to, like, stay stationary while the wall passes over them? They're supposed to stay stationary. Now, the thing is, the thing with this show is that it's not really about the game. It's not about the points. It's not about who wins what. It's, It's about the hilarious situations of people trying to go through a hole in a wall. Okay. Oh, how are they going to get into that shape in order to get through the hole in the wall? Yeah. And uh, when, when you've got uh, three large gentlemen, they often cannot get into that shape. To uh, and, and so the wall breaks or they get pushed in the pool or whatever. Hilarious. But the wall's not supposed to break. It's made of styrofoam. And, you know, if you've got Jacko and Tim Smith standing there, that wall is not going anywhere. The wall will break. Mm. Uh the uh, it, it's hosted by Jules Lund, who was also contractually obliged to to do this show, uh, and it's just torturous television. It's in no way funny. the uh, The fat men just had fat jokes made about them. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're too fat to go in the hole. Yep. Oh, that's it's like a whale in the pool. Oh, hilarious. Uh, the uh, so, so that's where all the humour pretty much came from. Uh, so if they didn't have Fat Men, I don't know where Channel 9 would even think the entertainment was. How did they react to these skinny women trying to get through the hole? Like, obviously, oh, they you can did make well. fat jokes about fat blokes, apparently, but... Oh, they did, they did well. They got through the, that hole. They've got two points. And when they didn't? Oh, oh bad luck. Bad luck. Well, as uh, you, as you don't my look old like pe- a whale in the pool. Yes, as my old. Oh, she looks like a stick floating in a pool. Uh, <laughs> just a terrible bit so, of, of television. So let me get this right. There's a hole in a wall. You have yes. to get through the hole in the wall. Yes, or you fall in the pool. Correct. What other layers are there? Did I mention Jules Lund is on it? 
Okay, so there's Jules London, a hole in the wall. Yeah. And that's it. The wall comes towards you. If you're the winner, what happens? Get to the end. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, started, I started watching it at double speed. Because here's the other thing. That would be more entertaining, it's, no well, doubt. Not really. Oh. The, the thing is that uh, they'll show, like, the wall will come towards the the people and, and there's either three people or two people or one person standing there uh, waiting for the wall to come towards them. And then depending on... Well, actually, no. Completely independent of whether or not they get through the hole, there will be two, three, four repeats of that same segment. So the hole coming... Or the wall coming towards the contestant actually only lasts about five or six seconds. And then they show that another two, three, four times. Mm. Uh, so it's just ridiculously repetitive, unbelievably mindless. There are no other levels. Will it work? No. No. You know, you know where it works well? YouTube. Mm. And, a and, couple and, minutes. It, and it works well on YouTube for, for a number of reasons. One... It's that whole fascination we have with, aren't Japanese game shows crazy? Oh, the Japanese, they're such an uptight culture. But then when it comes to game shows, oh, they're insane. Look at that. Oh. So, so there's, there's that aspect, but there's also you're only watching it for two minutes. And why you would sit through a series of ads in order to get to the next round of Hole in the Wall, I have no idea whatsoever. Just appalling, mm. appalling television. Mm. And we, and was it was it kind of shoved into the schedule kind of last minute? It I was, didn't see any advertising it was for this. Shoved into the schedule last minute. There's been so much advertising for Make Me a Supermodel, and uh, Hole in the Wall did almost half a million more than Make Me a Supermodel. Is that right? Mm. It wasn't. Hole um, in the Wall was number three for the night. Oh my god! Did they put on the regular slot of that massive? Uh, it's a knockout. Obstacle course show for grown-ups. Wipeout. Wipeout. Mm. And yes, and the thing, the thing with so I also watched some of Wipeout, which is the most misogynistic, homophobic, and vaguely racist show I have seen on television for a very long time. How does it do that? The commentary. The commentary is they've got some male dancers who they call jazz hands, and uh, this was the. The episode I watched last week, and uh, and uh, comments about uh, a woman not being able to to do it, and oh, isn't it great that a woman went through and did that, and uh, just like really, really sexist and homophobic, and a little bit racist. Not not enough racist that it would actually get picked up by people who who were just watching it, and not really listening to it. Just that time, like the Asian guy that bit. couldn't quite see the 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 way through because. He had little slitty eyes. Yeah, not that, not that, uh, not that obvious. Like you wouldn't actually say because he has little slitty eyes, but you know, just couldn't see it. Yeah, so yeah. something like that. It's being you know, left unsaid. Subtly racist. And it's the only subtlety that uh, that Wipeout has. Again, an appalling show, which ABC in the US has signed for a second season. Mm. Well, if it rates anything like it's doing here, why not? And, and it does. And have uh, you heard that uh, uh, we're dis- making our own version? Yes, I have. Hmm. I can't wait for that to happen. I, I feel like I've seen that show about three times, but I think on every occasion I've been doing something else. I think twice I've been at a pub and it's been on in the corner, and it's kind of fun to watch as long as you're not listening and actually devoting time to it. If it's there in the background, you look around and go, oh, I would do this. Uh, yeah, see, like that guy did. Yeah. I would win. But th- there's also 
the injuries that must happen from this show. I mean, they, they film it where in Argentina, mm-hmm. right? It must be filmed in Argentina because they have different. You know, you can't sue them if it's filmed in Argentina or something mm-hmm. like that. Because people fall on their faces a lot. And it really looks like it must hurt. Yeah, I think the pain is part of the appeal. You're right, there are some very heavy falls. And it's... So, it's... You know, when I first saw uh, Gladiators on television all those years ago, and I love Gladiators, I don't know if you're aware, Jared, but I I, Mm. I think it's great television. uh, I thought, oh, this is the closest thing we've ever come to The Running Man, the Mm. excellent Stephen King, Richard Bachman book. Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Well, the film, not so much. It's more, more, more the book. The film is it takes a lot of liberties with the book. But yes, that that idea of there being a game show where people are being chased and uh, and killed, or uh, or they have to, or they have to kill, or they just have to survive. Uh, this is a lot more like that, though. This is, uh, you know, other than the chase, there is the uh, the whole you will break your leg. Or you'll stay in, and that's that's the way Wipeout seems. I, it's it's horrible, it's horrible, and and yet Hole in the Wall is infinitely more unwatchable. <laughs> Who knows why? How was uh, Make Me a Supermodel, Brett? I I noticed that that was what I'd recorded, and I said no, I'm not going to watch that because <laughs> <laughs> I watched a, a bit of the uh, British version of Make Me a Supermodel uh, that was on Fox Eight uh, a while ago. And that was why someone would buy that concept. Mm. Well, I mean, there was, from the, the small bit that I did see, and it was kind of people auditioning and, and doing catwalk stuff. And um, But, you know, so much freaking hyperbole about, oh, this, this show is going to change my life if I get through it. And, which is, you know, one person out of all those. But, you know, everybody's got the dream that their life is going to be changed. At least, you know, Australians because are a lot being... more attractive than the British. But the, <laughs> really? um, the, the it, it's still, it, it's not, it, it's not anywhere near as good as, uh, as, as America's Next Top Model, which is, uh, I, I think, even though it, it has had weak seasons, is still the best model show. Yeah, I can't television. watch that either. Uh, the, uh, but yeah, it just, it just doesn't have it. It, it just doesn't work. And I haven't seen the Australian version yet, uh, but, you know, good luck to everyone. That's what I say there. Uh, those shows... Ooh, close. I was just going to say those those shows... Well, Hole in the Wall will uh, appear on our screens after the Olympics. Uh, Wipeout can be seen on Channel 9 on, I think, Wednesday night. And make me a supermodel at uh, on Channel Seven on Wednesday nights. Uh, apparently, against advice of holding off until after the Olympics with that first episode. Right. Hmm. Really. Hmm. Hmm. There you go. Are you one of those that follows? Follows the Hello, this is Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July. Go down on you. 
Brett Cropley does not buy running orders. I'm mixing it up. <laughs> you are, you're mixing it up. You're keeping me on my toes, yes, Brett. Yes, yes. There's a bit of paper to be damned. J- Jared, I don't know if you're aware. Uh, every week uh, we, we do a running order of the show. It's, you've got one in, in front of I'm you. I'm looking at it and now. So, so we know in advance what the next segment coming up is, is yep. going to be. And so we're prepared and we get all our papers ready during, <laughs> during those uh, those little bits that, that play in between. And uh, and then uh, you know I'm getting my things ready and, and suddenly it's, it's Brett's I don't buy it. That's oh, hello. What, that's what happened. Yeah, again. I know. This, right. is, this is what happens with live podcasts. Though. Live podcast. Recorded live in a studio. Now that we all know whose fault it is, I'll just get my papers in the order. <laughs> <laughs> Won't look so unprofessional. Thank you, Brett. I don't buy it. These uh, KFC ads that seem to be having massive rotations at the moment. Uh, K- K- KFC, the only members of the I Don't Buy It Hall of Fame. Mm. <laughs> Well, they just keep on coming up with the goods. They, they do. So, so what's this? This is uh, it's some dude uh, eating the latest KFC product. I think it's some sort of spicy, tangy chicken, 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 chicken thing. Right. Um, when a friend asks, friend asks, "What's it like?" Arcs. It's arcs. <laughs> so, to which, to which the response is to slap the guy on the face. Yes. Right. Yeah. Is Lead, it a spice? Leading the questioner to look a little shocked, but then quickly replacing that look by a look of understanding. Right. We uh, cut to the money shots of the uh, the chicken, and then cut back to the scene where some authority figure, like in one of them, it's in a library, and, and uh, the librarian has come over and, and obviously looking like he was going to tell them off, and but then he says, "What's it like?" And we have the quick fade of the ad, and uh, hilarity ensues in our mind. Uh. Because the inappropriate slapping. I thought you're not allowed to have food in, in libraries, especially not fried food. Uh, apparently, KFC is fine. Right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's three letters of the alphabet, so it's yeah, what one sixth of the way towards learning how to read. <laughs> well, it didn't used to be, but uh, but with the uh, you know awareness of health and stuff, uh, now it's not Kentucky Fried Chicken; it's mm. uh, just KFC, so that we don't have to think about how bad it is mm. as we eat it. But then we're reminded about how bad it is because somebody comes up and slaps us. <laughs> is is that apparently that's a good thing? Right. Yeah. Mm. You see yeah, what I don't buy? Fine. Yeah, I'm right with you there, not buying it. Yeah. Can I, Jared? See this again, Brett. He's he's very he's very quick off the mark. It sounded on. like we were moving on. It did, but then Jared raised his. Well, hand. I just want to say on the note, I don't because he's polite. Yeah, that's he right. raised his hand. <laughs> it's called radio professionalism, Crowley. Get some idiot. Now, I, I don't buy Red Rooster's current Olympic advertising. Ah, China have you loves noticed, Red. Have you noticed how well Red goes with China? Every time I see that, I just think, what, are we talking about the, the oppression of communism or the, the rivers of Tibetan blood? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mentioned this kind of in passing last week that, you know, China's pretty much given up communism but just kept on, uh, kept the brutal dictatorship aspect of it mm. while everybody goes out and makes money and buys hey. fast cars and... Stuff hey, like that. you don't have to be a communist country to have brutal dictatorship. No, but huh? uh, it helps if, if there was the, an, a revolution 50 years ago and, uh, and the people in power can hold on to power. Mm. Well, yeah, that, sure, it helps. <laughs> it helps. So, so red China chicken. Yeah, like yeah. the the aspect and is, coloring the Great Wall of China red and yeah, and red rooster. Like it's it's the red rooster angle. Come to red rooster, eat our Chinese. They've got special Chinese products or something. On I don't know. I I never stick around for the products. By that time, I'm marching against them in the streets, man. <laughs> <laughs> so so. 
Red Rooster are advertising that that what their chicken has been imported from China. Now, now more likely to have bird flu. What? <laughs> I, I uh, think uh, their angle is letters can be sent to Josh Canal. Care <laughs> hooray at boxcutters.net. Want want to celebrate the healthy lifestyles of our superhuman athletes? Come to our come to Red Rooster and eat Chinese style fried chicken. They no 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 no. Or whatever it they is. They do make the point that their chicken's not fried and it's oh, roasted okay. for yeah, an that's hour right. and a half. It's roasted. Yeah, that's right. They're roasted for an hour and a half mm. thing. Well, it's going to be a long wait on that chicken like, then, isn't it? Like so many Chinese dissidents. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, I just I just hate that opening line. As opening lines go of ads, have you noticed how well red goes with China? Just and when I first saw it, I was, <laughs> it's atrocious. When I first saw it, and I wasn't thinking in context, and and wasn't thinking of the Olympics. I thought red on on blue and white China plates. Mm. Oh, and then really, so, no. So like, uh, and I thought, no, that doesn't really go. Yeah, yeah, like the ones you get served your chicken on at Red Rooster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't buy that either, Jared. No, I it's don't either. Worth stopping Brett for as well. Mm. Hi, this is Lawrence Mooney. I've been on the telly, and if you're into televisual delights, then there's only one show you need to be listening to, and that's Box Cutters. Get your ears into it. So this one uh, has has a picture of, uh, of of just some some nice trees in a street. Ah, oh, I love your postcards. Yeah, okay. it's just uh, it, it comes. It's just got nice trees in, in a street. Just a a regular suburban street. Are they gum trees? No, it's 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 hard to tell. Bit of a mix. It's a, it's a little bit of a mix. Okay, uh, but you know some nice green nature strips and uh, and some some regular looking houses. It, it and the wheelie bins out? Not in not in the uh, no. They must have put them away for the postcards. Okay. <laughs> so uh, it, it starts, dear box cutters. It's always early summer in Erinsborough, and the birds chirp loudly during the day, and the crickets are so loud that it's almost impossible to hear yourself talk. And talk is pretty much all we do here. Something will happen, and we'll talk about it for days afterwards. It's all misunderstandings, and and sometimes people doing something bad. Last week, Miranda said to her sister, Oh what? Forgive and forget? Forget that you seduced my son? Forget that you're in love with my husband? which totally took attention off the 16-year-old girl in a public relationship with her teacher. Ramsey Street just keeps tongues wagging and they seemingly will never stop. Lots of love, neighbours. Is that really the storyline that's going on at the moment? That is really the storyline that is going on in uh, in Neighbours. I watched uh, every episode of Neighbours last week and, yes, Miranda's sister did apparently seduce her son and is in love with her husband. So a, a nephew-aunt situation, love triangle with the brother-in-law. They didn't really focus on it That's, too much. Wow. They, and then is that just because they don't have enough characters? They couldn't get somebody that wasn't actually related to the boys? I, I don't know. I, that, that line was said and I just went, you what now? <laughs> I've missed what? Yeah, what? I, I think that storyline's been kicking around for a while. And yet the funny thing is I only know that because I think I heard someone talking about it three or four weeks ago. So obviously this hasn't gone down well in Ramsey Street. It's still kicking around as an issue. Yeah, but still, uh, still, still a, a bit of a, a, a secret issue. That was actually uh, a couple of uh, Miranda's friends walked in uh, just after that conversation and, uh, and Miranda's sister runs out crying because, oh, how could you say such a horrible thing? Uh, and, uh, and the friends say to Miranda, 
what is uh, is everything okay? Is this is there something we can do? And Miranda says, "Oh no, it's just much too tawdry to talk about." <laughs> just brushes it off like that. Much too tawdry. Uh, and and yes, there is this sixteen-year-old uh, girl who is in an open relationship with her teacher. Not not an open relationship like an open marriage, but openly public relationship with her teacher. The teacher was uh, was put in in jail for a short while, but then the court said. It's not against the law because she is sixteen, and uh, what? I, I That's know. Wrong. Wow, the, uh, Erinsborough has its own laws. It does. If well, I don't, I don't know how strictly they apply it. If we want to get legal, I think it's something to do with uh, you can't be in the care of the older person, like which in the case of a teacher-student relationship mm-hmm. is the case. Yeah. But maybe it doesn't apply if he doesn't actually directly teach her any subjects. Is he a teacher at the school, or is he her teacher? Well, I don't think he's a teacher at the school anymore. Oh, okay. But he was definitely her brother's teacher. I'm, I think I think her brother said, you know, he was our teacher. Mm. So it's uh, it's all a, a little bit crazy and wrong yeah. in don't, in Erinsborough. Don't ask me why I know so much about the <laughs> underage rule. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to look it up at some point. <laughs> that was just in the back of my head somewhere. Right. I do look forward to uh, hearing Alan Dale's writer reply in the postcard next week. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's uh, yeah. Given, given his uh, attitudes towards the exploitation of actors on Neighbours. Well, you know, if he if Alan Dale wants to write us a postcard, hooray at boxcutters.net is where to send it. Send and that, and then we'd love to have a chat, Alan. Ah, uh, Alan, there's so much I want to talk to you about. There's so much I want to talk to Alan Dale about. If anybody knows Alan Dale... And I used to go to school with his son. That's used to. Yeah. Do, do yeah. you still, do you he still know? He wasn't a nice guy. Right. A bit of a tool. Because Alan Dale has done some fantastic work of late. And, and, of course, you know, we'd love to speak to him about Lost. So, uh, if anyone knows Alan Dale, we won't speak to him about Neighbours. We will speak to him about uh, all the excellent stuff he's well, done I, recently. I reckon he, he'd, he'd appreciate a platform to get his views Oh, well, that's... About. That's also true, but just uh, keep in mind, whatever he says on our show, we can be sued for. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, I'm just thinking through legally what he's said. Just, uh, he hasn't said anything defamatory, has he? No, but if we give him an open platform and just go, ah, so, Alan, neighbours, what of it? And he just starts on this tirade, you and I go out, get a cup of coffee, come back, <laughs> he's still going... <laughs> There's uh, there, there there is a possibility, but anyway, Alan Dale, we'd uh, we'd love to speak to you. Hooray at boxcutters.net. Send us an email, sure. Yeah. Got your postman. Have a letter. Did you read it? You're a godsend. Save you. No, I'm, I'm just the postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. I wish we had letters to box cutters more often because I, I love that theme. Mm. I love that theme. Actually, I thought maybe you were going to uh, go into Alex's letter from today. I am. Oh, you are? I am, nice. but I'm going to get to that. Okay. First, I, I, have, to, I have to get uh, these two very... L- old. Old letters. Not another word which, These are the letters that... I, I don't know if you remember, several weeks ago I said, we're going to have letters to box cutters, and then we ran out of time and, and didn't mm. have letters to box cutters. Yeah, similar to uh, Daria. Yeah, very similar to Daria, which is still here in my notes, and, uh, still and coming up. we will we will cover next week, yeah. maybe. Uh, this is uh, this is from Shane Boxcutter, who uh, wants to know uh, that uh, with uh, this was back when uh, when 
Foxtel started showing the HD channels in their non-HD broadcast as well. Not not actually showing them, but they're they're there. So you can you have to actually scroll past them when you're oh. uh, scrolling up through the uh, th- through the channels. Uh, and he asks, are the free-to-air stations going to be able to get some sort of ratings from Foxtel based on how many subscribers view those channels? The answer is, complicatedly, Shane, yes and no. There would be, in an ideal world, a situation where everybody shared their figures and uh, and Foxtel would give uh, their figures to the, the networks and uh, and Oztam would give the free-to-air figures to everybody and everybody would know everything that was happening. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Everybody gets to see Oztam ratings, don't they? Uh, you have to pay for Oztam ratings. To be rated? No. You also have to pay to receive the reports. Okay. So somebody paying that's publishing them that other people can then see what's going yes, on. Yes, that's right. So, so those people would pay Oztam uh, for the uh, for the publishing, or they would report. And there's a difference between you know because for- how generally a show rates compared to 15 minutes by 15 minutes. Yes, and the uh, and the networks also publish their figures. So they'll put out a press release with their figures, and then uh, news organisations can then comment on those figures, which is what we do. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, in an ideal world, that would be wonderful, but Foxtel are not about to freely give their uh, copyrighted information to uh, to other networks. Well, it's embarrassing to give out a report with single figures in it, isn't it? Well, yeah, but <laughs> think, think, about, think about five years down the track, though, Brett, yeah. uh, where lots... Of, well, everybody has the opportunity to, to watch HD, say. Uh and uh, just say a lot of people watch it through Foxtel, are they going to be able to use those figures? No. That's a whole area of uh, of the, the viewing population who just are not going to be counted. That's, uh, that's, that's pure and simple. So, yeah, the answer to your question, Shane, is no. Is it going to be that great a number of people that the sample of Oztam's ratings does not reflect what those viewers are watching. Well, the three people that Oztam samples, mm. uh, they, uh, they they watch different things all the time. The, uh, the thing, thing about Oztam's sample is uh, it's no doubt they spend a lot of money trying to get it as representative as possible, but it's never going to be truly representative. It, it's... Uh, we, we've got a, a, a cart that uh, talks about ratings and uh, just, uh, you know, it's better than nothing. Mm. It's not a great system, but it is be- it is better than nothing. And uh, the number of people who have Foxtel and don't watch free-to-air through their uh, digital receiver, uh, but through their Foxtel box, would be uh, affecting the real figures but aren't necessarily... Because they're also a certain type of person. You've got a certain type of family who has uh, subscribed to Foxtel. Absolutely. You're or, early adopters and... Oh, yeah. You're, you're either... You're tech savvy. You're early adopters or you're uh, aspirationals or you're, you, whatever it is. It is a particular kind of household that will have Foxtel. And these are households that are not being counted in, in the ratings, which... Are, are I, they not? Like... 
does does having Foxtel preclude you from being in the uh, selection pool for people meters? Uh, you wouldn't be able to use your Foxtel while uh, because the the people meter goes through the the television, so it actually gets the the signal and then pumps the signal out, so it knows what channel you're on, mm. and then you have to tell it uh, how many people are in the room when you leave the room, when you come into the room, and and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, that being the the case, you wouldn't really be able to watch Foxtel at the same time. You wouldn't be able to. Just wouldn't wouldn't make any sense. Where are you saying that it sits in the chain, on the other side of the TV? It or goes before the TV. It goes between the the TV and the wall. Okay. Could it not sit between the set top box yeah. and the TV? TV. Uh, I don't know. You know what? If Oztam answered any of our questions, yeah. if anybody knows, because we've got a few listeners who have been uh, part of an Oztam survey or have family members who have been part of an Oztam survey, if anybody knows if Oztam has, because it's a very good question. I I just always assumed not, hmm. but it's, it's very likely I'm wrong, as as with a lot of things. Uh, the second uh, letter to box cutter was uh, was from from Kerry box cutters. Kerry box cutter. What you? You're giving thumbs up because I said I might be wrong. Yeah, because we won. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's no, fair enough. Not that we take on the show as an adversarial exercise. <sighs> Kerry Boxcutter. Kerry Boxcutter. Kerry, our no, old friend Kerry. Not Kerry IE. This is Kerry with a Y. Ah. This is a, a different Kerry Boxcutter. This is a South African Kerry Boxcutter. Ah, South African uh, former media magnate, dead Kerry Packer Boxcutter. No. Okay. No. Uh, anyway, she, uh, she, she writes uh, that uh, she, she was watching TV and saw an ad for McDonald's. This was uh, an I don't buy it, she, uh, she thought of. And in the uh, ad for McDonald's, uh, there are people glued to their television watching uh, Olympic track and field. Uh, and then uh, traffic stopped. And, and even at the drive through at McDonald's, the traffic was suspended while uh, the server and the customer listened attentively to the commentary. And then uh, Australia wins and people go crazy and they start running through the golden arches as if they're running in a race. And, uh, and the, the families are all excited and, and run through. And, uh, and, and Kerry's, uh, Kerry's point uh, being that it's bullshit. Mm. That... Uh, she says, it's not just the cheese factor, it's the who gives a damn factor. I maybe have a different perspective, but this is Australia and it is the Summer Olympics. We are expected to win gold and it's really no big deal. Yeah. Also, families who go to McDonald's can't run. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an excellent point that she doesn't make. Well, I, I know the they've got the heart techniques. It's, yeah, it's that horrible, don't we all love the Olympics, aren't we all going to be watching... I think Kathy Freeman might have been the as close as we would ever get to a nation watching a single race. Yeah. There's no McDonald's drive-thrus in the nation that are coming to a standstill because Jessica Ship is, you know, final in the 200 or whatever it is she does, whoever she is. And uh and uh, what about <laughs> Stephanie Rice? Huh? Stephanie Rice? McDonald's well, doesn't even sell rice. She's won gold. What happened? I didn't notice anything change on Saturday? No, and then someone, Libby, Libby someone won. Libby Trick won today. Right, this I Monday. didn't notice anything different. No. The no. sun kept moving. I didn't, uh, I didn't go out and get a hamburger <laughs> just because someone won gold. So, we take your point, Kerry? 
Uh, fully, and we love you for it. Fully take your point. Uh, and uh, our last letter is from uh, Alex Boxcutter, and this came in this morning. So it's hot fresh. Off the press. Hot. Ow. Ow. Hot. Are, are you getting that, Jared? It's, I am. Ho- it's hot. It's, I, can, I can see it steaming. Thermally, heat. Entropy, high. Lovely. Uh,. And uh, and Alex writes, boys, the Olympic coverage, where to begin? Firstly, I think it's great that Channel 7 has on the Olympic site front page summaries of their fan forum and Yahoo Answers sections, which are just full of topics slagging Channel 7's coverage. <laughs> awesome. And uh, then he uh, <laughs> then he goes on to, to say, am I the only Australian who would rather watch any other sport that we don't get to see than Libby frickin' Trickett in yet another friggin' 400 metres backstroke heat? And then talks about how uh, we really don't... Swimming and swimming and swimming and swimming. Uh, when do we get a chance to see archery or volleyball or whatever? I'm just sick of all this queen, king of the pool crap. I've seen some beach volleyball with the ladies. Yeah, it's still not a real sport in my book. I was watching that today. And, uh, yeah, they're having far too much fun for that to be a sport. <laughs> yeah. And he uh, he makes a point that I think we've, we've all made a, a lot, which is maybe it would be good for Australians to see something different Mm. from a country that is not Australia. Shock, bloody horror. We might actually enjoy something different. Haven't you discovered SBS, the complimentary broadcaster, which is continually showing sports we don't watch between countries we're not interested in? I yes. guess that's what Seven's letting them show, <laughs> basically. That's, uh, and, and no doubt, if you're actually into sport rather than just winning, mm. uh, it would be much more interesting. Because also they're showing... Uh, large segments of sport. They're not just like showing that two-minute thing that we were talking yeah. about and then flipping. I think that they actually have, like, on Sunday night at one thirty in the morning, and I forgot to set the tape for it, they had boxing, and they had it going for, you know, half an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, amateur boxing isn't great to watch on television, but it's not bad. Uh, it's a, a lot more exciting when you're actually there mm. at ringside. Yeah, that's right. But uh, still... You know, good on SBS for showing sports people might want to watch because they've they've also got a track record of it. Who would have thought people would like to watch cycling through the French countryside? That's right, but they they found their day. They did. I've been sometimes I've seen Seven play sports not involving Australia, and I can only assume they were filming a gap in the uh, filling a gap in the in the schedule. But I was it was enough to make me go, oh maybe uh, maybe there's some hope for for quality there, but uh, probably not. Um, I feel our, our box cutter's pain there because I quite like badminton. I play it and I find it really fun. I have no chance in hell of seeing badminton unless our team flukes a gold in a in a competition that has been packed full of 5,000 Chinese badminton players. I don't think I'm going to see badminton on the tally. No. And, you know, I, I brought up the hockey earlier. There was a, a time or about uh, 12 years ago uh, that Australia had the world's best women and men hockey teams. That's right. They were number one in the world. Could we get hockey in the Summer Olympics? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. When Australia, I, I think that, that year, uh, Australia women won gold, there was literally a, a two-minute highlight reel 
of uh, of some some of the exciting bits. Mm. But the whole thing of hockey is is exciting in the same way that the whole thing in soccer is exciting. From the network's point of view, how exciting is it if you're not into the game? Do you really expect your listeners, uh, your viewers, to to sit through ninety minutes or an hour of a sport that they don't get and aren't interested in? In the odd chance that we might win a medal, isn't would... highlights the best, the most expedient way of putting a rating sport to air? I would think that, uh, say, ten minute segments or or fifteen minute segments, not necessarily showing a, an an entire match, but uh, showing uh, you know longer parts of a match, so you actually get to see some of the intricacy in the sport. Because in the same way that if you just watch all the great catches from that day of of cricket, you don't really understand uh, what happened as far as field placement goes, as far as which bowl was coming in next and uh, and what end they were bowling from and how that affected mm. the, the play and all, all these tiny things that that work with, uh, with, with cricket and with hockey and uh, sumo wrestling. I mean, the, the thing about sumo, if you, all you watch is people get pushed out of a ring, uh, that's not really uh, watching cool. the sumo. That's, mm. you know, it, it's all about where your hands move and... Uh, and and how you push someone and how you use your weight and so all that there is subtlety in sport that we're we're missing and I think the the whole Olympic spirit of uh, faster, higher, stronger is part of that. Uh, let's find out the what makes somebody the best at what they do, mm. and just showing them win isn't enough. Yep. So that's uh, that's that's my take. I I feel uh, I feel Alex's pain there as well. Right. Hopefully, it should be the last time that we have this kind of pain because uh, by, the, by the next Olympics in London, we'll have uh, multiple digital channels from each of the networks, assuming that they actually uh, get something hey, happening yeah. there. From that's every a, venue. Well, that's 2012. 2012, yep. But uh, I thought uh, we weren't going to have multiple digital channels until no, no, 2051. The, the commercials are allowed to from to 2051, the beginning of next year. And it's been pushed back. They're, they're <laughs> not putting anything on. but uh, Yeah, well, see, that's, that's the thing. You know, opportunities lost. And uh, it's, yes, Jared, raising <laughs> your hand. Yes, you know the sport that I hope they have thousands of cameras on? I don't care if it's 7 or SBS. Any sport involving Russia and Georgia head-to-head. <gasps> That's what I want to watch yeah. right now. Surely it's it's going to be like in just like in '56 when the Soviet Union had just crushed oppression in Hungary. Apparently, people still talk in whispers about the the USSR versus Hungary water polo match that happened in Melbourne in '56. Well, wasn't there some horrible like someone got kidnapped or there was some Russian Hungary? Or maybe I just read that in a book. Maybe it was fiction. If you're, yeah, if we're not talking about Palestinians and Israelis, then I, I don't remember hearing about a kidnap uh, that particular year. Maybe but, uh, uh, maybe I read it in, uh, in a bit of... 56, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe I read it in, a bit, in, in a bit of fiction. <laughs> it's, it's possible I do often get those mixed up. Mm. Um, have Georgia got their own Olympic team in there? Yes, they do. And they both... I heard on the news this morning they have both... Both the teams voted to stay at the Olympics. As you would imagine, as if any Olympic team was at what's that? Our government started a war. Oh, we sh- we shouldn't be here. We should really, we should, especially in the, the spirit of the Olympics. We should all go. It's, oh, what's that? We're all catching the same. There's a big invading home. army back in your hometown. You <laughs> yeah. want to go back? Oh, no, I'll keep on swimming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, well, I could stay here in luxurious accommodation and, and enjoy competing at the top level of my field. What what kind of a, a world do we live in where, where it's preferable to stay in China? Yeah, you have you have to ask. Yes. Hey, um. When I 
cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Hey, so the Olympics are on. Really? Oh. Yeah. Did anyone see the opening ceremony? No. Yes. Um, I, I caught about five minutes uh, just before coming in today uh, of the drummers. and hmm. The drummers were amazing. Yep. And uh, what really upset me about a lot of the coverage of the opening ceremony is that it was obviously orchestrated to be seen from afar and there were a lot of close shots. Yes, I remarked at the time watching the ceremony that I'm sure a lot of the stuff would look great if you're in the stadium, but it wasn't translating very much mm. to the television. And I think the close shots, you're right, had and that's, something to do with it. And that's really the the, the fault of the directors. Mm. I, I mean, the, it should be fairly obvious the, the best way to shoot that. And uh, I don't think we need a lot of... Especially when something is that enticing and extraordinary. We don't need a lot of cutaways. We don't need a lot of this angle, that angle. Mm. Fix the camera. Put it still. Don't move it. Just let yeah, us watch. And it's, it's not like they haven't had multiple rehearsals and had plenty of time to plan camera angles down to the second. Yes. And yet there were plenty of times where you just suddenly felt like the director was cutting and changing almost at random. The oars, for for instance. Mm. I, they are, the, you know, a thousand... A thousand people, let's say, uh, a whole, a whole two thousand and eight, two thousand and eight. A whole lot of people came out uh, holding these giant oars uh, that was uh, representing uh, some uh, dynasty boat thing, and uh, and uh, and the whole thing about the oars was they had pictures on them, but they had uh, uh, just segments of of the pictures, and then they were choreographed to to move with the pictures and and. The uh, thing is, if you're just looking at someone holding an oar, and these oars were like 12 feet long, uh, you can't actually see the oar itself because you're looking at the person holding the oar. Uh, holding, holding the handle of an oar. Yes. And the, uh, and the oar itself, even if you could see just that oar, it's not enough because you need to see all the oars together. Yeah. Uh, the... The thing is, though, I, I think they did a, a great job. I think the directors did an appalling job of it. Uh, and uh, and also, it didn't run to time. It ran long. And, uh, and Are you so surprised at that? My, uh, my uh, recording of it cut out just after Australia came, uh, came through. What time did it finish? Uh, well, I don't know, because that, uh, that was about 2 o'clock. Really? So, yeah. It's about one thirty, two o'clock. Because it was only due to go to one, wasn't it? Yeah, it I think so. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the uh, so, so yeah, it, it went really long. So I have no idea how the flame was lit this time. Well, allow me to fill you in, please. Uh, we had a couple of um, a couple of runners running around the stadium, handing the flame on. You know, like lighting a tor- lighting each other's torches. They went around the stadium. And then um, it wound up with a, a gymnast who is some kind of legend. I think he won about five five medals at LA or something in '84. Uh, Aussie Joe Buchner? No, I don't think it was him. Okay. And and he went for a run around. You know the the top of the stadium where they that had, had been projecting stuff, yeah. where the rails were and all that sort of thing. He went for a run basically around that stadium. Like he was wired to make it look like he was running almost side. 
slide out. Not quite, but uh, but he was kind of he was running through the air basically, and they had it looking like he was he was running along the the top of the stadium. And then when he got to a um, uh, right to the end, the torch had appeared, and it, the torch was sort of sitting sat at the top of a bit of a spiral thing, and he pretty much lit the fuse. I had anticipated some kind of firework connection and uh, I was brooding, very proud. I'll tell you about my high fives in a moment. But um, And he lit the fuse and fairly quickly shot up the fuse and lit the torch and everyone went, wow. For my money, not as good as the bow and arrow at the at the LA Games. No, the bow and arrow was... No, that was Atlanta. Sydney was... Atlanta, sorry, yes, that's right. Um, Sydney was a bit you know, a bit slow and dreary for mine, but, yeah, just uh, it didn't have the quite the same wow factor. Him running around the stadium looked okay, but it did go on a bit. It takes oh, no, a so while to do a lap of a stadium. Hang mm. on, bow and arrow was Barcelona. Was that Barcelona? Yes. Yeah, because yeah. it was Atlanta, LA that did. Yeah, Atlanta was, uh, was Mahal Ali. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's very very hard to but but in a in an evening where so much was spectacular. Yep. Uh, yes, there 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 is that uh, possible disappointment. But at the same time, how are you going to top all those fireworks? Mm. And every time something came up that floated, I went, yeah. "Oh, it's floating! <laughs> it's floating! How yeah. are they doing that? It's floating!" It was a triumph for wire work. It was always a triumph. It was also a, a triumph of projection. The projection work of the unfolding scroll was oh, quite good. Yeah. Uh, projection on the on the bits and pieces of the stadium was good. And how they managed to do all that projection without the shadows of the wires getting in the way is also was also something I was trying to figure out for myself. It uh, was it was like a great magic show. Yeah, it was. For my money there wasn't there was a lack of wow moments. There were there was a real lack it was all very nice and it was pretty, but there was a lack of things that made me go, oh, that was fantastic. There were a couple of bits where I went, yeah, that was good, that was bad. Where are the lawn mowers? I was most intrigued at the start with the drummers, which did look amazing, but clearly the drums were rigged up to lights, and every time they had their hands on the the surface of the drum, the light would flicker, and they could do all sorts of crazy patterns, and they did. But in the middle of all that, Sonia Kruger told us that those drums were a thousand years old. Yeah. Which just made me go... Wow, wow, those Chinese invented electric lights <laughs> a thousand years ago. It's, I see well, what LEDs, meant. I think. Mm. Uh, it's it, it's amazing how many things were a thousand years old. Yeah, the drums were a thousand years old. That mm. instrument was a thousand years the old. Drummers, the drummers <laughs> themselves were a thousand years old. Yep. Uh, everything was a thousand years yeah. old. It's she she didn't have very much information, Sonia Kruger, which no. is uh, which is who, who was commentating with her. Uh, there was Rick Birch, who was who is the op- game's opening extraordinaire, who did Sydney and Atlanta, and and he had a stuff. lot of he had a lot of re- his research. And, and was Bruce the other one? Was it Bruce or was it Gary? Or I didn't hear Bruce doing anything. I but it was remember. it was Rick Birch who really had all of his research done. Well, and yeah, and he was involved, and he kept saying things like, "Well, we were going to have five thousand, but then we decided we only needed two thousand. So he kept telling us how much better it could have been. Yes, or what other ideas they had, and it was kind of de- <laughs> defeating the point of watching a show and going, "Wow, that looks great." But I also discovered, uh, th- thanks to the, uh, the the wonders of uh, personal video recorders or digital video recorders. Uh, there are a lot of aspects of the opening ceremony that you can watch at double speed or six times the speed. Ah, uh, I'm of no doubt. It was. It did go on a bit. Mm. Mm. It's like ah, oh, another thing. Oh, here's another thing they invented. Well, next time oh. you're watching an opening ceremony, do what I did. Uh, my fiance and I we took bets on which aspects of Chinese culture were going to pop up. So um, I predicted things like I think I said a lantern. 
and I predicted a Ming vase, Ming Dynasty vase, and, and I predicted chopsticks. Now, the lantern was always going to happen. Got the high five for that. Very surprised to see a Ming Dynasty vase pop up in the middle of the stadium and uh, <laughs> that, that got was, a very a special high five for that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think I saw chopsticks. Well, this is what, I, you know, all the wonderful things that uh, that the Chinese have given to the world, writing and movable type and, uh, and uh, other things that they claim to have invented. Mm. Where were the noodles? <laughs> yeah. I, that was an Italian invention. Where were spectacles? Yes. Did, mm. did they have any uh, tribute to uh, the, the Olympic torch beating the, the head of the Dalai Lama? No, but there was a bit towards the end of the ceremony, which, Josh, you would have missed, where I think in the end it was given to some children. Either the flame or possibly the flag was given to some children, and they had to walk up onto the podium and hand it to four or six very stern-looking soldiers. And there was something just a little bit nasty and creepy know, about the, the, that. No, the, this was, that was a flag. A flag. Was it, was it? A, yeah. it was a flag. The Olympic flag. It's, yes. Yeah. That they, uh, Here you they, go, children. Hand it over to the soldiers. To the soldiers. It was, yeah. <laughs> it, was quite, it was quite frightening. That's right. I'd like to know what happens to the piece of paper. Like, there was a piece of paper heavily involved throughout the like, projection scroll aside. There was a specific piece of paper. Initially, some dancers made patterns on it, and then some kids came and painted on it, and... Um, and various things happened. And in the end, they were getting all the athletes, as they entered the stadium, walked and made marks on this paper. And they kept showing close-ups of this piece of paper. I'm wondering what becomes of that piece of paper. eBay. 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 Yeah, yeah <laughs> I thought so, perhaps. Um, what what other comments did I have? No, I think that's pretty much most of what I thought about the opening ceremony. It was it was nice. But, you know, I, I went to bed at a certain point. I didn't even wait for Australia to come out. I wasn't even excited about the Sydney opening ceremony, so, you know... Well, mm. I, so, uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed Sydney. So to be so over it by I sat down with a pizza and a six-pack to be really cynical about Sydney, and it won me over within a minute. See, I watched that. I enjoyed it. I watched it in New Zealand. Oh, and okay. uh, I've never felt more patriotic in my life. <laughs> I, was, I, you know, Vanessa Amorosi, who I don't give a shit about. Uh, I was going, yeah, she's ours. Woo! Uh, just, <laughs> just very exciting. But I, I thought it was. Uh, I actually thought this was spectacular, but I'm quite enamoured of uh, wire work and things that float. Mm. Uh, something that was a bit annoying as the teams came in was we kept hearing about individual athletes, but we never seemed to spot them in amongst the athletes we were talking about, mm. even when they were teams of sort of three or four, and the athlete they were talking about was the one woman. Um, I got the impression that we were watching pulled footage. The footage wasn't particularly connected to what Brucey wanted to tell, and it was Bruce. Certainly by the time the teams were coming out, Bruce was giving us the lowdown on pretty much everyone. Yeah. Um, well, he he loves saying the names. Also, here's another game to play: hottest flag bearer, because a lot of the countries just pick the prettiest person. <laughs> really? Mm. Oh, see, I didn't I didn't bother with any of that. I don't care about other people's countries. I really like hearing how, and this is me just being a nerd, and feel free to wrap me up. But I like hearing how the various countries are pronounced in Chinese. I was giggling and repeating them all every time they came out. Mm. Yeah. I uh, I also want to never see Sarah Brightman on my television ever again. <laughs> Who's that? She's freaky looking. She was married to Andrew Lloyd Webber. She was the uh, original lady in Phantom of the Christine. Opera. Okay. Mm. Uh, and yes, and she was the uh, car in the Stephen King book. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was, I was talking about Christine in Phantom of the Opera. Oh, right. But, um, right. What was she doing with the Olympics? You got me. Uh, she, sang, she sang a song. Oh, okay. Yeah, with, that's right. With, She's, uh, with China's most famous because there are no other singers in the world. If we're opening the Olympics, we have to call Sarah Brightman. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, hey, I was checking out Letterman last week uh, yeah. on the sixth uh, of August. 
it uh, so happened. And they were showing a, a CSA, Community Service Announcement, uh, obviously filling in their airtime, um, which they, they, given that they, they've got a one-hour show cut down to 45 minutes regularly on Channel 10 on right. uh, Letterman. Um, it was a call to arms, Essendon players promoting men's cancer awareness uh, with uh, wearing a special red armband on uh, July 26 and 27. Oh, Which is a bit really? crap on August the 6th. Yeah. yeah so, mm. Somebody uh, at uh, Channel 10 advertising programming is uh, asleep at the switch, I think. Mm. Have you ever noticed how well red goes with armbands? <laughs> <laughs> no, but with chicken. Um... Mm. Oh, and that brings us to the end of Boxcutter's oh. episode. What, Brett? What? <laughs> I, just, I feel empowered what? to do that now that you expect it. Uh, a couple of things. <laughs> Channel 10 shares are, are apparently uh, rocketing up on uh, speculation that Can West are going to be acquired by someone else. No word at this point uh, who that might be. Also, The Hollow Men, your, one of your favourite shows at the moment uh, from Working Dog on the ABC. Is I, I don't go- hate it as much as you think. I, I just think it's nothing. Is uh, being screened uh, their first season at the moment and will continue directly into the second season. So their, their first season is actually taking a break during the Olympics mm. and is coming back for one episode and then will be followed by a second season. Yeah. Uh, which will... It's kind of- also have Isn't I think just- following following it so not not following it after the second season it ends but uh, following the like each episode in the next half hour uh, is the new Wayne Hope Kim Gingell show for oh, really? six episodes uh, something about small business should, ah. be, should be quite interesting They're Wayne Hope is like the Seth Rogen of Australian television he just seems to he does have everything a, another project on the boil as soon as the last one finishes yeah mm. it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. But he was kind of quiet for a long time. So maybe he's just been working on all these different projects and suddenly they're all getting greenlit. And yeah, that's true. They were all waiting for him to be free. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 144. I want to say thanks very much to Crumpler, who are our giveaway sponsors, and they will have stuff for us to give away to you in coming weeks. Yep, the quiz will be back soon. Quiz, quiz will be back. So stay tuned for that. I also want to say thanks to... 3RRR, whose studios we use for recording this podcast each and every week. Their Radiothon is coming up soon. Uh, we'll be uh, spruiking that when it happens. Thank you so much to Jared McCulloch. Oh, thank you for having me. And may I say thank you to Seven Commentator Simon Marshall uh, for telling us what the equestrian horses are thinking as they go through the paces. <laughs> I'm really enjoying your work. Really? <laughs> what could are you, they so, thinking? Yeah, could you give us an example? It's, I want sugar cubes. And the horse that's happy with himself. He's thinking, yep, I've done my job. I'm going to go back home now. That, that sort of stuff. He's, he's apparently some kind of oh, horse really? whisperer. Really? Mm. It's, it's, it's not a case of, Funnier oh, this, this, uh, this, this plait is, uh, is giving me a bit of a headache. I hope we finish this soon so I can really just I let my hair down. I wouldn't put it past him. It's, it's, it can get particularly amusing when it comes to the horses that refuse to jump. And why? Now, Jared, where, can, uh, where, where else can Boxcutter listeners hear you? Well, I'm involved with Comedy Obscura, which is another fine triple R podcast. It's behind the scenes of comedy scene in Melbourne. It's not, we're not trying to be funny. We just, we just get low down what's happening. And there's a bit of a that's boom a great in local caveat. comedy at the moment. So, uh, yeah, that's right. Well, it's, it's what the comics like to hear when they're coming on the podcast. It's right. Just yeah, yeah. It's... keep the funny out of the studio. Please just come and talk about it in a professional manner. <laughs> but, yes, um, we're having some fun over in, uh, in our little podcast studio. So do uh, look us up and so come and join in. Comedy Obscura, where can people find that? They can find it, care of the Triple R 
website. So rr.org.au. Yes, look for the podcast link, or you can just look it up on the uh, on the iTunes. It's obscure, but with an A at the end instead of an E. Comedy Obscura. So this- have you specially added that to iTunes? Uh, no, I think... Um, I or does think, that just go through loops in? I think it goes through whatever happens here. I've been involved in no way whatsoever with the technicalities of the operation. Anyway, we have um, we had um, Rob Quantock on this oh. week, so uh, he, he had some very interesting things to say about uh, about the state of comedy and his own history and the world. Excellent. And, yes, and a couple of guys from a group called the Anarchist Society... Uh, oh, no, I've forgotten the name. The Anarchist Guild... Social collective, something like that, and uh, uh, sorry, it was just wasn't. I, uh, it wasn't where on the top notes? of my head when you asked. Where are your notes? Yeah. Where are your notes, Jared? Really? Yeah, Come prepared, Brett please. So they're talking about anarchy. Comedy Obscura the is Anarchist the Guild Social Committee. Yeah, that's what they are, and they're doing some sketch comedy. Anyway, Comedy Obscura is the name of the show. So they're not uh, true anarchists. No, not so really, because they're the social committee. Is called <laughs> Box Cutters, and if you enjoyed it. Please go into the uh, iTunes Music Store or the Last FM Box Cutters page. You can uh, do a shout on the uh, Last FM page, uh, or go to the iTunes Music Store to the Box Cutters page and leave a review. It will help other people find the podcast. I couldn't figure out how to do it on Last FM. Do you have to download their application or what? No, you can just. It's just a shout. It's called a shout. Okay. So you give a shout to a, a particular uh, artist or a particular show, uh, and so you can do that. But I think you have to be a member of uh, of Last FM. But you just sign up. Whatever. Yeah, I did that. Right. And then, yeah. Shouldn't shouldn't be that hard to do. Uh, So, yes, go on there, write something, help other people find this podcast. Until next week, if you want to email us, hooray at boxcutters.net, or please uh, go onto the website, boxcutters.net, and leave a comment. It's swanky and new. It looks wonderful. Mm, Makes me feel like candy. Oh, nice. Nice. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. My name is Jared McCulloch. And I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Mm-hmm.